0: This episode is brought to you by Fetch. Fetch is a kennel alternative right here in Denver, not a traditional doggy daycare or boarding school. They offer one-on-one private pet care for all kinds of pets, both furry and non-furry. And their employees are experienced, insured, bonded, and background checked. So you can rest easy knowing your pet is in good hands. Basically, they know pets. Um, I used to watch a Burmese mountain dog named Sven, who was just like walking a polar bear. It was insane. (laughs) Fetch offers pet sitting, dog walking, pet taxi, medication administration, and more. And he hated going on walks. I could like walk him around the block and then he was like, he'd just like to lay in the bathtub. So if you're looking for high quality pet care you can trust, check out Fetch at northdenver.fetchpetcare.com. That's northdenver.fetchpetcare.com. Today on CityCast Denver. Ballots are out and the mayor's race is hot. But what about city council? There are several runoffs that could seriously shake up our local government. So who are these candidates and what do they stand for? Producer Paul Caroli joins me to figure it all out. Today is Thursday, June 1st. I'm Brie Davies and here's what Denver's talking about. Hi, Paul. Good morning, Brie. Did you vote yet, Paul, in the runoff?
1: I have not. As you know, (laughs) I am a last-minute voter. I think vote late, you know? It's okay if we get the results late. That's a better storyline for us. That's more content for us. And our, You know, I know our listeners love the content, but um, also, (laughs) it actually is important, I think... And this is just a debate me and my wife have had for years. She's definitely a voter early person and I respect That's that. That's right,
0: Megan, cuz she worked at the Clerk and Recorder's office Paul. <laughs> she,
1: she did. She did. She got indoctrinated to their pro-elections oh, mes- please. message. Um but yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a late voter because I think you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen the day before. You know like what what's news gonna is going to come out that might change your mind.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I don't have a council race at stake, which is what we're talking about today. And actually, Mm -hmm. neither do you. Oh, that's true. So we just have the the mayor's race. But for folks that have a council race at stake, this is a pretty interesting runoff because we've got quite a few candidates. So we're going to go through each of those races. But before we get there, we're just going to talk a little bit about what city council does, because I think it's a fair assessment to say a lot of folks don't necessarily know. It's like the mayor gets the most attention, but... Council and the mayor's office have to work in tandem on a lot of things, and they make a lot of daily or weekly decisions that influence or impact the city. So we have 13 city council seats. Uh, Three are currently up for grabs in this runoff. Uh, Paul, high, high level look, what does city council do?
1: Well, city council is a really important function of government. I mean, like you mentioned, they work very closely with the mayor. The mayor is probably the most important elected official in Denver. Denver has what's known as a strong mayor style of local government. So like relative to other cities, our mayor has more power. But council's job is to check that power. So what they can do is they can adopt or reject the budget that the mayor sets every year, which is the main way that the mayor sets priorities for the city. Uh, But council can also make laws. They're they're kind of our legislative branch. So you might remember a couple of years ago, this big whole to-do about vaping our kids vaping you know nicotine chemicals i I don't remember the exact specifics but one member of council amanda sawyer decided this was a problem and she proposed a ban on the sale of vape juice in the city of denver Um, so she convinced a majority of her colleagues to pass that unfortunately for her mayor hancock then vetoed it Now, city council had the opportunity to override his veto, but they weren't able to get enough support. They would have needed nine votes of the 13 seats to override his veto. So that's just an example of how it works on city council, how the the sausage gets made.
0: City council also passed the uh, urban camping ban. So just it does have pretty big implications sometimes.
1: Oh, yeah. Huge, huge amount of power on city council.
0: What's the current state of city council? Like, what are we looking at? Because we're looking at a big transition here. It's not just that they've, we've got these folks in the runoff. There's, uh, there was quite a few folks that were term limited and some folks that decided not to run for a third term.
1: This is a time of great change for Denver City Council. So these are four-year terms, and a lot of those terms actually were up this year. So we're going to have a whole new city council. Um, in the past four years, the dynamic has kind of been... There's 12 council members that generally agree with each other and like to work with each other. And then there's this one council member on the far left, the only, you know, democratic socialist member of council, a firebrand progressive, Candy Seda We We know her as the lone no vote. So that's been the dynamic is this big majority and then just her pushing forward her left wing priorities. But all that's going to change because... Robin Kanich at large is out. Debbie Ortega at large is out. Chris Herndon, District 8 is out. Jolyn Clark, Kendra Black. They're all off council. Now, there still are five members that are going to stay on that won their seats a couple of months ago. This is Amanda Sandoval, Kevin Flynn, Jamie Torres, Amanda Sawyer, and Paul Cashman. We also elected three new members of council back in April, Diana Romero-Campbell won in District 4, and then the at-large seats were won by Sarah Parody and Serena Gonzalez-Gutierrez. That leaves four new members to be decided next week. Now, one of those is a specific situation, which I think we should probably start with, but... All four of these are very interesting in District 7 8, 9, yeah, and 10. for
0: sure. Uh, I, I think the the one that we're going to talk very briefly about is District 7, which was uh between uh Flor Alvidrez and formerly uh Nick Campion. But what, what happened in that race, Paul?
1: Well, that was a wide, wide open race, so no candidate got 50 percent. So we did go to the runoff, but uh, the second place finisher, Nick Campion. He decided, like two weeks after the uh, the election in April, that he didn't want to do it. He didn't even want to try. Uh, something about his wife was pregnant, and they wanted to raise their kid outside of Denver which we talked about quite a bit at the time and, you know, barf. Um, Barf. But Flor Alvidrez will win as a result. She will be on city council. She hasn't technically been elected yet, but she will win. Um, And if anyone doesn't know about Flor, she's a really interesting person. First generation Denverite, grew up in her district, daughter of a Mexican immigrant who worked in construction. Um, She is the part owner of her family's concrete company, and she runs a real estate business. And that seems like a really big priority for her is, is helping out small businesses. So on key issues like housing, her, her main priority when she's coming on to council is going to be to remove regulations and to streamline the permitting process and also to allow ADUs, um, accessory dwelling units in her district. That's, how, yeah. that's her approach.
0: District 7 was uh, formerly Jolyn Clark who uh, decided not to seek a third term. What I find interesting about Floor is that um, she's from the neighborhood and she really represents what I think of when I think of a lot of my neighbors, folks that work in construction, folks that run small businesses. So I'll be interested to see what she what she brings to the table in council conversations around that. Well, she Um, says
1: that specifically too. That's been a a main aspect of her messaging is that she wants to be the first candidate from this district, from the West side of I-25, from your side of the highway. Uh, Clark and a lot of her competitors in the first round and many previous council members from this district were all from the other side, which is like the, maybe a little bit wealthier, a little bit more affluent, a little bit more, um, I don't know, whiter just, side of the district.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, District Seven, like many districts, uh, encompasses so many different neighborhoods in terms of economic diversity as well as cultural diversity. So I, I have to say I'm I am excited about Floor for that reason. Is like just hearing from someone who's from Athmar Park who might have a little bit different perspective. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. I'm curious to see what she does. Uh, Interesting but that new race, voice for sure. Like we said, that that race is kind of a moot point. It is on the the ballot, but Floor is, is going to be is going to be the one. So,
1: mm-hmm. uh, let's get let's into the good on. stuff.
0: Yeah, let's get into uh, the the races that are up for grabs.
1: We did seven. Now we're going to do eight. This is Chantel Lewis taking on Brad Rivere, and District Eight is sort of in the northeast part of the city, Central Park, Northfield, that area.
0: So each neighborhood can be a little bit different. So we're looking at Montbello, Central Park, parts of Park Hill, and Skyland, which runs right along City Park. So we'll start with Chantel Lewis, former RTD board member. When she ran for that seat, I remember I had her on my old podcast. Her big thing was lived experience. So Hmm. she's a bus rider. She currently works for the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. She's really big on housing. Her approach is social housing looking at different ways that the government can own housing as well as just expanding the affordable housing stock in general. She has some really interesting ideas around partnering with RTD and DPS on workforce housing. So figuring out how to integrate housing to these other systems that we look at, education and transportation, um, she is part of that progressive left slate that we were kind of talking about earlier. Candy Baca is currently the only member on council at this moment who sort of is part of that group. But Sarah Parity, who's coming in at large, was part of this slate. Uh, Shannon Hoffman, who we'll talk about later, is on this slate as well. Uh, and I would say that's like probably the most, the biggest difference here between these candidates because... In reading up on them, they're very similar in their approaches, I'd say. Hmm. They're both really big on housing. Um, So let me finish off a little bit more about Chantel. Um, This is the neighborhood or this is the district that had the Park Hill golf course in it. I thought that was an interesting thing to look at for these candidates.
1: Yeah. Where'd she fall on this? She
0: said no on lifting the conservation easement. Um, So she was a no. And uh, she told the Denver Post, I'm committed to the messy middle and working with all parties going forward. She was against the current ownership plan, but is still interested in doing something there. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, she also supports expansion of the STAR program. Um, I, f- I have to say, as a person that's been covering the STAR program since it, before it began here in Denver, the evolution of leadership, being interested in it, has been so, frankly, kind of cool to look at and, and watch. so
1: fast, like years, fast. like maybe a couple of years between this is a glimmer in someone's eye, you know, there's doing yeah. some cool stuff in Oregon, let's check that out too, unanimous support. Like, I can't think of a single local politician that is opposed to expanding STAR.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, I love that because we're going to talk more of that in these other races too around the public safety conversation. So that's really where STAR comes in is for a lot of folks that are not necessarily anti or pro police. This is like a good middle. Right. Mm -hmm. It's an addition. It's an addition to policing that has different implications on how uh, the STAR program interacts with folks who call 911 for help. Right. In In different situations. So right. she supports the star program. Um, Tell me about Brad Rivera. Yeah. Again, very, very similar. I think the biggest difference here, too, is he's really supported by the businesses in the area. He mm. runs Colorado Succeeds, which is a nonprofit group of business leaders who are working on education issues. Um, he also is a transit guy. Um, he was on the mayor's pedestrian and bicycle advocacy committee. So he's really mm. about transportation equity. What I find, like, again, it's very small differences here. Chantel's really um, on public transit, and he talks a little bit. He talks about that as well, but he's also on pedestrian infrastructure and bicycle infrastructure. Um, He also supports affordable housing, ADUs. His thing was community land trusts, which I thought was interesting, also supports uh, the STAR program. And so the, the interviews that both of these candidates did for the denver post which asked them the golf course question Mm -hmm. was asked in march so this was pre-vote pre-vote brad said that he did support uh lifting the easement so he was in support of the development of the golf course so i think that would be the other place yeah that would be the main difference where these these two candidates landed but um i would say they are pretty similar on most on most uh things that they're most issues in their district okay for sure Uh, next up, we have District Nine, which is uh, sitting uh, council. The incumbent, County Baca, against uh, Daryl Watson. Paul, tell me about District Nine and the race.
1: So, District Nine is the most interesting race uh, on the ballot for sure. Um, it was very tight in the first round. There were three challengers. I think there were a lot of people who thought that um, Daryl Watson and the other main challenger, Quan Atlas, were going to maybe split the vote and that Candy would be able to hold on to her seat. Not the case. Quan Atlas did not win a lot of votes. A lot of the the opposition to Candy, you know, she, I, we talked about how much she's, um, she's sort of been alone on council, but that meant a lot of opposition has formed around her, uh, formed against her. So... That opposition is consolidated around Daryl Watson. He won 42.9% of the vote in the first round. She won 44.2. So very, very close. And that's really the story here is like Candy is this left progressive firebrand. She unseated one of Hancock's, Mayor Michael Hancock's closest allies on council four years ago, Albus Brooks. Um, And ever since, ever since, I think his supporters, developers- more of the like, uh, establishment type power centers in the city have been waiting for an opportunity to support a candidate to take her on. So he's, he was the biggest fundraiser of all the city council candidates through the whole cycle. He's got endorsements from people like former mayor Federico Pena, former governor Roy Romer, uh, current council members, Debbie Ortega, Chris Herndon, Joel and Clark, as well as Denver firefighters. Um, as for who he actually is and what he supports, I did not know much about him. Candy Satabaca is such like a big personality and like so interesting and fun to pay attention to. I never really dug into who Watson is, but I learned that he's he's one of these guys that's like on a zillion committees. He's been on dozens of like city and state committees, parks and rec committees, uh housing equity committees. Um, but professionally, it seems like his his job is. Uh, communications consultant. He's the co-founder of the Watson Wink group. And um, one of the things that they will offer if you contract them for their services is they'll make you a justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion action plan or Jedi, a Jedi plan, (laughs) Bree. So Daryl Watson is a nerd. He is going to be another one of our Colorado nerds on council if he wins. That's the impression I have at least. But as for like the other policy Differences or like what they support, again, pretty similar. They both agree on expanding Star. Watson says he wants to be collaborative with police. That's a difference with Candy. She's definitely yeah, more that's
0: critical. A big difference. She
1: has been a champion of police reform and has consistently kept up calls for that since the summer of 2020 on housing, both focus on housing affordability. Watson supports the affordable housing measure that requires developers to pay into a city fund that we passed last year. Candy really focuses on that lower that lower band of the AMI, the area median income spectrum. She's focused on stopping displacement, stopping gentrification and supporting the members of or the people who live in her district that have been affected by those trends.
0: And I think it's interesting to note that this uh, District 9 has changed a little bit since redistricting, since Candy was elected last time. Mm -hmm. Uh, This district no longer involves or includes uh, downtown Denver.
1: Yeah, I think that's actually a huge factor here, too, because Candy, based on the map of how the votes went down in the first round, Candy won a lot of her votes up in the north part of the district in uh, Global Elyria, Swansea, whereas the closer you got to downtown... Daryl Watson seemed to get stronger and stronger the more the more affluent the more uh closer to the power centers that's where Daryl Watson was so I bet if it still included downtown I don't know maybe he would have an easier road here but that that does not seem to be the case I think this is going to be a close one
0: yeah for sure I think it's the most interesting race in this runoff mm-hmm. absolutely
1: but we've got one more to talk about Bree, district 10 yeah. you yeah. want to tell us about district 10
0: Sure. Uh, it's incumbent Chris Hines against uh, newcomer Shannon Hoffman. Uh, district 10, again, the redistricting conversation. This district covers downtown, Cap Hill, uh, the country club neighborhood, Cheeseman Park, Belcaro. I mean, we're talking, again, wide variety of incomes. I think the most interesting thing to me that's showing itself in this race is uh, the renters versus owners kind of conversation. Hmm. Okay. Shannon Hoffman is – that's her big – I think that's her biggest platform to me other than uh, this – she's really been vocal around uh, repealing the camping ban. She's very uh, she's very against the sweeps. But the other big thing is tenants' rights. She's really run this platform like she's a renter. She doesn't feel like renters are equally represented on council and in city conversations in general. And I, I think that's just an interesting conversation if we're looking at a Belcaro versus a Capitol Hill. Very different. Um, Shannon, also, again, a political newcomer. She's part of that progressive slate of candidates we've been talking about, endorsed by the Democratic Socialists, uh, DSA. She's been endorsed by Working Families Party and some union organizations. Um, I think her biggest criticism of her, uh, excuse me, her biggest criticism of her challenger, Councilman Hines, is that um, she says he's beholden to developers and doesn't listen to his constituents. Um, he's, He's kind of pushed back on that and said, uh, he's well, we'll get more into what his side of it is in a minute. But I think there's a really big thing here that's also different Um, is that she when it comes to public sa- safety, she is a self-proclaimed ab- abolitionist. And she told Denverite that uh, that basically means to her diverting money from police toward other departments to respond to public uh, health issues. Right. So that's kind of where she stands. OK. Oh, and also, she supports safe injection sites, which I think is an important conversation because her this district would be downtown, which is where a lot of that issue tends to rear its head.
1: Well, talk to me about Chris Hines. How does sure? L- maybe let's start with the safe injection sites. Do you know where he stands on that?
0: He does. He said he'd defer to state legislators, so okay. he's he's basically not taking a position, but also just saying whatever the state is doing is working, which okay. currently is a, a big no on safe injection sites. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to Hoffman's criticism of Heinz uh, about building and developer, she says he's the developer back to candidate during the 2020 protests. He uh, was very vocal about defunding the police, but he has since changed his mind and says he wants to expand star, but wants to also expand police staffing. I, I thought the most interesting thing to me was that he was endorsed by the Denver GOP um, hmm. as well as again, this is a nonpartisan. Position These are nonpartisan races. But um, he was also um, endorsed by former Democrats or at least Democratic leaning mayors like Webb and Pena. Uh, Outgoing council members uh, Kanich, Ortega, Clark and Kendra Black have also endorsed him. Endorsements, I think, are so what you make of them because it it could to me signal, well, his former council members like to work with him. So they're endorsing him. But I don't know if that means anything if they've never worked with the new candidate, you know? so
1: Hard to say. Really it's hard, to, hard say. to say.
0: But I think it's important information for folks because a lot of people do look to endorsements to help guide them. Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, I, rem- I was talking to a friend over the weekend about the Denver GOP's endorsement of Kelly Brough. And this yeah. friend of mine said, well, that's my vote. I'm going to vote the other way because if that's what yeah. the Denver GOP wants, I want what they don't.
0: Yeah, I can see that. So it is interesting how partisan politics are involved in nonpartisan races, regardless of whether we want them to be or not. Um, The other big difference here is he supports the sweeps, uh, upholding the sweeps. So Hmm. I think that would just be another. Again, I think the sweeps and safe injection sites are two big issues for this downtown district. So I think those would be the two big determining factors. Um, but they both support more affordable housing. He's a really big advocate for uh, pedestrian infrastructure. Um, folks will know he's a person who uses a wheelchair, so he's been an advocate around uh, disability, work accessibility of spaces, and things like that. So um, I uh, I think this is an interesting race. They're two pretty different candidates, and um, but it wasn't super close. I mean, it was Shannon got 27 percent and he got 35 percent.
1: Yeah, she sort of eked into the runoff. There was a third candidate who also did quite well, who she beat by like a couple of hundred votes. So I think that you'd say that Chris Hines is still the favorite to win here. But you never know.
0: We'll see. So, Paul, what are you going to be looking, looking at or paying attention to when we get to election night next week?
1: I think it's this last race for me. I mean, District 9 is obviously very interesting because Candy Setabaka has got such a big personality. Um, But it's this last race and it's downtown specifically because Hoffman and Hines do have very distinctly different positions on those key issues facing downtown. And this is a new Uh, This is a new district for that area of the city since it's been recently redistricted. So I think what I'm going to be watching for is where do the people of downtown vote? Are they going to vote for the more the the Shannon Hoffman approach with the safe injection sites and the ending sweeps? Or are they going to vote for maintaining the status quo, as you might say, Chris Hines wants to do? Bree, how about you? What are you going to be looking for on election day?
0: Um, I think this is the new narrative conversation. What is Denver's next step? What's our new narrative going to be? Who are going to be our leaders? What is that going to look like? So we're going to have a new mayor, um, but we also are going to have a very different looking council potentially. And I'm curious to see how the progressive slate shakes out. Uh, If Candy maintains her seat and we get these others uh, that are on the slate with her or if we go the other direction, I I don't know. I think I'm just curious what the narrative about Denver will be in a year from now when we look back and go, oh, we saw this coming or oh, we certainly did not see this coming. So it'll be really interesting. Regardless of which way it goes in each of these races, we're going to have a different looking council and I'm excited to see what happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that progressive slate, like if they can really make some make something happen here. It could be not the lone progressive vote, Candy Saitobaka. Right. It could be Saitobaka, Parody, Lewis and Hoffman together. That's 4 out of 13, you know, that's a big block that you can make some real changes with.
0: Well, Paul, uh you should vote, <laughs> although I know you're not I'll going to until next week. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm going to vote tonight and drop it in my ballot box at Burnham Rec Center and let it go and let Let go and and let voters decide. (laughs) It's almost here. (laughs) We'll see. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Bree. Hey, Denver. It's Bree. I wanted to let you know that after we first published this episode, Councilman Chris Hines got in touch to clarify his position on safe injection sites. He said that once the state authorizes them, he would be, quote, honored to have a site in Denver. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Nick Campion about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye.
1: Well, District 9 is my favorite Neil Blomkamp movie. I wish he had ever achieved those heights again. Uh, that parable about South Africa and apartheid, just so beautiful. Beautifully done. And a great action movie, too. But I think you were talking about City Council. Uh, District 9, City Council. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. We can. <laughs> Let me be real about this. Um.